2 Corinthians 12. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7 to 10. And tonight then, I think it'll be the fourth last sermon of the whole series on counseling topics. Tonight, physical problems, disabilities. As you can see on the screen, and by disabilities I mean mental disability, physical disabilities, and so on. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, that is, those are great words to sing. I surrender all. This is indeed what you want of us, Lord Jesus. You want us to give it all up, to surrender our very lives to you. If someone is not willing to surrender his all, if someone's not willing to love Christ above family, friends, possessions, and even his even his own life is not worthy to be a disciple of Christ. So we pray that you would take us and take our all and take our lives as a living sacrifice to you. Whether our bodies are normal to a certain extent or disabled. Whether our minds function well or we have a mental disability. I pray that you would now speak to us from your word. In Jesus' name, Amen. Uh, tonight's message is really a testimony. That's why uh, I didn't want to stand up during testimony time, because I know I will, I'm going to give this testimony at the start of the sermon. Tonight's sermon is a testimony of my weakness and of God's strength. So what happened is two and a half years ago, <clears throat> I started planning for this series called First Aid for the Soul. All these different counseling topics from a biblical perspective. And, um, <clears throat> and one of the topics I wrote down was autism, autisma. But I didn't have a clue. <laughs> How am I going to preach on this? I spoke to Nielsen Mariki. Uh, I said to Mariki two Sundays ago that I want to talk to you because I don't know what to say about this. And then I was at their house on Tuesday and I asked them a lot of questions. And after hearing the answers to the questions, I thought that helps, but that's not going to make a whole sermon. So I, on Tuesday, I didn't know what I'm going to preach tonight. And, and then one of them or both of them said, maybe not just autism, but disabilities in general. And I thought about that, but I still thought I don't know enough about this. And then I prayed and I asked the Lord's help. I said, please help me, Lord. I don't know what to preach on Sunday. And this was on, on Tuesday and on Wednesday. And then the Lord gave me 2 Corinthians 12. When did I send you the message on 2 Corinthians 12? I always send it to Niels so he gets the, the songs. Wednesday. Wednesday afternoon. So I prayed and said, Lord, please help me. And the Lord gave me 2 Corinthians 12. I thought, yes. That's an excellent passage for disabilities. I have this thorn in the flesh, Paul says, and it's really difficult. And I asked the Lord to remove it, and God said, my grace is sufficient for you. I thought, excellent. Uh, that'll do, and I thanked the Lord. And then I jotted down some thoughts, and I kept on praying, and I was busy preparing for this morning's message. And then 
I sent out a message to the church WhatsApp group and said, please, can you help me? Uh, some of you got, either you got a disability yourself, uh, maybe visual, maybe hearing or whatever, or you got family members with disabilities, please, can you help me? And I sent that same message to ABK pastors, different pastors in the country. And I got such a lot of feedback and so much help. I'm so thankful for the body of Christ that it's not just the pastor that has to try and figure it out. I've got the Lord's help and I've got the Lord's help through people. So I'm really thankful for that. I praise the Lord. I got excellent feedback. I, I got messages from blind people. I got messages from people who've got family members who are deaf. Uh, people with people in wheelchairs. People with... Um, What's that? Uh, cerebral palsy. Uh, people who, who know people like that in their families. People who have children who've been in motor accidents that are now in wheelchairs and are mentally disabled. Uh, people with children and family members with autism. People who work with autistic children. So it was wonderful. I praise the Lord for the help I received. And just like the Lord showed me my own weakness and brought His strength, it's exactly the same with mental disabilities, with physical or bodily disabilities. Your importunity is God's opportunity. Your inability is God's ability. And even your disability is God's ability. And we find this in the life of the Apostle Paul, where Paul himself even said that God can do far abundantly more than we can ask or even think. And we see this here in this passage also. So let's go to 2 Corinthians 12. Follow with me as I read from verse 7. So, to keep me from becoming conceited or proud, because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to arrest me, to keep me from becoming conceited or proud. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this that it should leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. First description tonight is Paul's thorn in the flesh. And that's in verse 7. Now, let me give you some background of what's going on. And many of you, if not most of you, know the background. So Paul, the false teachers have come into this church in Corinth. Corinth is a city in the south, a southern province of Greece. And so false teachers have come in. They're slandering Paul. they besmirching him and besmearing his good name, uh, his reputation, and spreading lies about him and so on. And now Paul comes to a point in chapter 12 in the beginning where he says, listen, these false teachers, they want to brag about themselves. If it comes to bragging, I can brag too. And then Paul says, I want to tell you about a man, but he's actually talking about himself in the third person. A man who had this experience where he was snatched away to the third heaven. Now, third heaven doesn't mean there are levels in heaven. Third heaven just means, I would speak, oh, the heavens, oh, it's quite blue tonight. I mean the sky. Or you can look up into the heavens and see the stars. That's space. 
or the third heaven, which means the heaven of God, the heavens where the angels are uh, and believers are when they die and so on. So Paul had this experience. He went to heaven. He says, I don't know, was I still in my body or was I out of my body? I'm not sure about that. All I can tell you is snatched away to paradise and I, I, I heard things there so wonderful, I can't, I can't say to anyone. You can't, you can't relate those things and tell those things to others. It's too wonderful, too marvelous. He still doesn't tell us in the chapter what that was. Uh, anyway, so Paul writes of this experience, speaks of what happened and what, what he experienced there. And this happened, he said, 14 years before. So for 14 years, his lips were zipped. He didn't tell anyone. He didn't go around bragging about it and write books and make money off people. So it's very easy for Paul. He could have bragged about it. He could have gone around. He could have been like the false teachers, chapter 10, verse 12, where Paul says, not that we dare to classify or compare ourselves with some of, with some of those who are commending themselves. But when they measure themselves by one another and compare themselves with one another, they are without understanding. So, so the false teachers, they're comparing themselves. I'm greater than you. I've done this. I've accomplished this. Paul could have said the same thing he didn't. And that's why, that's why we read in this passage um, that he has the thorn in the flesh. Because an experience like that is very easy for you to puff yourself up. It's very easy. Just imagine this. Paul had this wonderful experience and revelations and being in heaven and so on. How easy was it for Paul to say they're on this missions trip and uh, they come to a town, they're going to preach and Timothy read Timothy wants a shot at this. Timothy wants to preach the gospel. He wants a turn to proclaim the word of God because he's in Paul's team in the very first verse of this book, 1 Corinthians 1 verse 1. And then Paul says, Timothy, who taught you to preach? Mm. Have you been in heaven? Didn't think so. Have I been in heaven? That settles it. I'm preaching. <laughs> or you can see the apostle Paul, their factions in the church. There's fighting in this church. That you read in the first letter and Paul had to deal with that and write a letter to try and sort it out. So there are groups in the church. No, we like it when Apollos preaches. I like it when Peter preaches. No, we like Paul. And Paul could have settled that easy. It was easy for him to settle. You could just... Well, has Peter been to heaven? Has Apollos been to heaven? Have I been to heaven? Mm -hmm. So who's the leader in this church? Who's, the, who's who, Mr. Popularity Group? It's my group. So everyone follow me. Paul could have made money off the Corinthians, as I just said a moment ago. He could have also uh, done some kind of thing and ho hold a seminar and say, all right, all of you want to hear about my experience of going to heaven. Uh, Saturday, no, Saturday. Yes, yeah, Saturday is the Sabbath, uh, the Jewish Sabbath. So, so Saturday at 2 o'clock, please meet us in this hall of Tyrannus. And I'm going to tell you about this experience. Entrance is 50 shekels of silver. And he could have made money, like people do today. But he didn't. He didn't. <clears throat> a true experience of God, a true experience with God, which Paul had, he did not want the Corinthians to put him on a throne, to put him on the stage, to put the spotlight on him, to put a put him on a pedestal, a pedestal and say, you've had this experience, Paul. Oh, how we love you. Everyone uh, wear your I vote for the Apostle Paul t-shirts and your badges. Paul didn't do that. And he didn't want them to do that. Verse 6, 
Though if I should wish to boast, I would not be a fool, because that would be true, the things he says, for I'd be speaking the truth, but I refrain from it so that no one may think of me more than he sees in me or hears in me. And you can actually connect the first part of verse 7 to that, where he says, because of these great revelations that I had. I don't want people to put me on a pedestal. And you see books being written today about people saying, I have this experience of going to heaven. Movies being made about that. So people make money off it. I don't believe them. Uh, because if it's a real experience with the Lord, won't that humble you? If you really saw God on his throne, won't you do like Isaiah? Woe is me, I am lost. If you really had an experience of the glory of Christ and the power of Christ, wouldn't you fall like Peter at his feet and say, go away from me, Lord, I'm a sinful man? You see, a true experience with God humbles you, doesn't puff you up. And one of the ways God's uses, God uses and the means God uses to humble you is what Paul had, a thorn in the flesh, a crisis, some kind of trouble. Now, the fact that it's a, it's a passive tense in verse 7, it says to keep me from becoming proud or conceited because of these things. A thorn was given me in the flesh. Usually when you read that in the New Testament, they call it in Greek a divine passive. It means, if you put it in a passive text, the thorn was given me, it means it's God who gave it to me. Unless the passage specifies and says it was so and so who did this. But this is God who gave thorn, uh, Paul, or allowed at least, for Paul to have this thorn in the flesh. God is the first cause. Satan is the second cause. Because it says, a messenger of Satan to buffet me or to harass me. It's like in the book of Job. Who brought the disaster on Job? Satan or God? Answer? Yes. <laughs> yes, Satan was the second cause. God was the first cause. God said, all right, you may do so and so, such and such with my servant Job, but you may not do this. And Satan couldn't go further than God permitted, God allowed. Same in, in the, so that's Job 1, Job 2 again, same thing. So here you have the same kind of thing. Satan, this messenger of Satan can come and really cause trouble in Paul's life, but cannot do so without God's permission. A thorn was given me. It is God who is in control of this. And that also goes for disabilities. So disabilities, can Satan bring physical disabilities in someone's life or mental disabilities? Yes. You find that in Luke. That's my next sermon in the Gospel of Luke. You remember that woman, she was bent double and she couldn't, come, she couldn't walk straight. She was bent double for 18 years and Jesus says it was because of she was bound by Satan in Luke 13 verse 16. Verse 11 says a spirit of disability. So Satan can cause people to be disabled, but he's the second cause. He cannot do more than God permits. The first cause is what Kurs read to us in Exodus 4, where Moses said, but I can't talk. I stutter, Lord. I stumble over my words. And God said, who made man's mouth? Who makes man mute so that he can't talk? Who makes a man deaf? Who makes a man to see or makes him blind? Is it not I, the Lord? I will teach you what to say, Moses. So God is the first cause of disability. Psalm 139. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. And then he goes on and he said, All my days were written in your book before any of them existed. Is that only for David or for all babies? It's for all babies. 
Even disabled babies, you knitted me together in my mother's womb? Yes. God is the creator. And I know Satan may be involved, but he's only a second cause. He cannot do more than God permits. And God is the first cause of disability also in this sense. Who put creation under a curse when Adam and Eve sinned? God. Cursed is the ground because of you, Adam. God put creation, um, how does Romans 8 say it in verse 20? <clears throat> it, was, it was subjected to futility. Not because of itself, but because of him who subjected it. Who said, now everything will break down because of man's sin. And that would include a virus that causes you to become deaf or blind or a spinal defect and you can't walk anymore or a mental defect, a mental disability. Now I don't mean, please don't misunderstand me, I do not mean that every disability is a punishment from God. That's what the disciples didn't get. When the disciples saw the man sitting there next to the road and he's born blind, and they said to Jesus, why is he born blind? Because of his sin or because of his parents' sin? And Jesus said, neither. It's not because of any personal sin. It's because God wants to show his great works in this man. God wants to display, put his glory on display. But sometimes a disability can be punishment from God. For instance, in Genesis 19, the men of Sodom, when they wanted to commit sin, the angels struck them with blindness, and they groped around looking for the door. That's a disability, blindness. Or in John chapter 5, there's a man who's paralyzed, and been paralyzed for 38 years. And Jesus says to him, when he heals him, he finds him in the temple later on, and he says to the man, do not continue to sin, so that nothing worse will happen to you. In other words, your disability was the result of sin, of some personal sin. And yet, I want to underline this for you. I want to emphasize, never, 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 never go to parents of a disabled child or to a disabled person and say, what's your sin? You do not know the secret thoughts of God. Deuteronomy 29 verse 29, the secret things belong to the Lord. Don't come to them and say this must be some kind of punishment. That's what they did with Job. When he got the disease and he lost all his wealth and his family, his children died. Oh, the friend said you must have done some kind of sin. Don't say that. You don't know. So leave it with God. God knows. Um, you rather want to encourage and to help and so on. But don't say it's maybe your punishment for something you did or maybe something your parents did. I don't believe that. I know people have got their verses for that. I've got a whole sermon I preached on that thing of generational curses. You can go and uh, check it on the blog. Um, but when they come and say, no, you're disabled because your mom did something wrong or your grandfather sinned in some way. Uh, now, there may, be, there may be a genetic kind of defect. I understand that. But don't say because your father was a drunkard, therefore God has punished you and now you're blind. Or, you know, that kind of insensitive speak. Um, Ezekiel 18 verse 20. Parents will not be punished for the sins of their children or children for the sins of their parents. The soul who sins shall die. Or even worse, when you come to people and say, you must be, maybe he's demon possessed. That's why you've got this disability. It's demon possession. Um, now, I understand that it can happen, but you don't, you don't know. As a matter of fact, Paul, was, was a demon involved here with Paul and the thorn in the flesh? Was Satan involved? Yes, it says so. A messenger of Satan, verse 7. 
Does that mean Paul was demon-possessed? No. So the fact that the devil involved doesn't mean the person is necessarily demon-possessed. It can be. In Matthew 12, verse 22, you've got a man who is blind and he can't speak. And the text says it's because of a demon. And Jesus casts out the demon and the man can speak and the man can see. So that's possible. And I think in that case, what you need to do is you need to pray for the person. Mark, if you know that for a fact, Mark 9, verse 29, Jesus speaks of a certain kind of demon that will not go out except through prayer. And some manuscripts say fasting and prayer. So then you fast and you pray and you seek God and you share the truth because the truth will set you free. And you share the, the message of the Son of God, the gospel, the good news. Because if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. And that person then needs to confess his or her sin. If that's, if that's the reason for the disability. Um, but in other cases where, where the Lord does allow disability, where he allows disabilities, uh, what he wants to accomplish in a, in a Christian's life especially is he wants to shape your character. He wants to form your character. And that's not just for disabled people. That's for any Christian in any trial. We're just speaking about disabilities tonight. But James chapter 1, we know that. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that these trials, and then he continues. It, it works in us. God works in us through these trials to perfect our character and uh, to help us endure and to build perseverance and so on. Romans 5, the same, verse 3 to 5. Uh, and to have a greater longing for heaven. Uh, God puts that in people, when they, especially if you've got disabilities. I, I long to be with Christ. I long to be there and to be free from this disability and to be with my Lord and Savior. Uh, God works all things together for the good of those who love Him. And we know the next verse in Romans 8 says, to make us like Christ. Transform us into the image of Christ. And Paul knew this. Paul knew. He says that in verse 7. He knew that this disability that he had, whatever it may be, spiritual or physical, I'm going to talk about that now, but he knew that this disability that he had, it's to keep him from becoming proud. It's, for his, it's really for his benefit. It's going to help him spiritually by having this problem. Okay, so question now. What is the thorn in the flesh? Because he says, I've got this thorn in the flesh to keep me from... What's the thorn in the flesh? Yes, Mariki gave the right answer. Did you see? <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? Um, I've, I've heard different views on this. One would be that the thorn in the flesh is really a person, uh, this messenger of Satan, because he says in verse 7, a messenger of Satan, and that word in the Greek, messenger is angelos, angel. So it's an angel of the devil, it's a demon. And an angel of the devil, devil and you've got that very same Greek word in the previous chapter. Chapter 11, verse 14, uh, you can go from verse 13 to 15, you've got false teachers who've come into the church, and Paul says, Satan disguises himself as an angel. Angelos, an angel of light, a messenger of light. How does he do so? Through these false teachers. So what this may be, it may have been a person in the Corinthian church, the leader of the gang, who's psyching up the church against Paul, the believers against Paul, and this guy's demon-possessed. And that's the thorn in the flesh. You've got exactly the same, that word thorn in Greek is exactly the same word that you find in the Old Testament, in the Greek translation of the Old Testament, the LXX, in Numbers 33 verse 55, where God says to the Israelites, you must, you must destroy the Canaanites when you come into the land, otherwise there will be thorns in your side. So he, Paul might be speaking of a human being, but... 
It's also possible that the thorn in the flesh might refer to some physical disability. Uh, a thorn in the flesh, flesh, body. <laughs> so Paul might have something wrong in his body, and you pick this up in chapter 10, verse 10. The false teachers are accusing Paul, and they're saying that, uh, Paul says, they say, he's, they say of Paul, his letters are weighty and strong, but his bodily presence is weak, and his speech of no account. Paul doesn't even look like someone. I mean, he's got this weak body and maybe he had some problem. Chapter 11, verse 6, Paul says, Even if I am, am unskilled in speaking, not so in knowledge. So Paul, Paul wasn't a very good preacher, apparently. And they, they picked it up and they knew it and they said, Even his bodily presence and in the book of Galatians. Chapter 4, verse 13, Paul says to the Galatians, You knew, you know that I preached the gospel to you because of a bodily illness that I had. I was on a journey I couldn't journey on because of this illness, and so I just stuck around and preached the gospel to you. Verse 15, he said, you loved me so much, you would have gouged out your eyes and given them to me if possible. So maybe he had some, he had some deformity of the eyes or some problem with his eyes, maybe because of being stoned, who knows, because he was stoned in that province, Galatia. Um, and then in chapter 6, verse 11 of Galatians, Paul says, look with what large letters I write. Now that may be just, I want to show you this is important. Or it may be, I can't see very well. Do you see this letter written with large letters? So which one of the two is it? Who knows? <laughs> we don't know. We don't know. But what we do know is this thorn in the flesh, whether it's emotional, spiritual, or physical, it was painful. Because the word thorn there doesn't mean a little, a little thorn. It means a wooden stave, a hoot staff, a sharp stave that pierces your flesh and tears the, the muscle. So it's, it's a long stave that's pushed into Paul. He says that's what it feels like, the pain, whether it's physical or emotional matters not. The agent, the one bringing this pain is a demon. Because it says a messenger of Satan. Now messenger, I told you, is the word angelos, angel. An angel of Satan, whether he's using a human being or not, doesn't matter. But he says, he's harassing me. The Greek word there, the Afrikaans, I think uh, one of the Afrikaans translations says, he, he beats me with a fist. And he Greek says, Yeah, so he's being beaten up by this. And God allows this. Why? What does verse 7 say? Why does God allow this? To keep him humble. To keep me from becoming proud. Paul says it twice in the ESV. <laughs> to beginning of the verse, end of verse 7. To keep me from becoming conceited. God doesn't place a high value on your and my ability. God places a high value even on people who are disabled, but they draw on His strength. He places a high value on the humble person who looks to Him and trusts in His ability, not in your own ability. Psalm 147, verse 10 and 11, the second part of verse 10 says, I think the first part says, God doesn't delight in a horse when you're in battle, or in the legs of man. You've got strong legs, you can run fast. His delight is in those who fear Him, in those who hope, 
in his steadfast love. And that's what Paul needed to learn. And please, let God teach it to people. You don't need to humble them. God will humble them. And God will teach them humility. You don't need to try and humble the disabled person. God is teaching the disabled person what he wants to teach him or her. And the same with you. God is teaching you what he wants to teach you. So teach your kids. I got this from Neloise. Um, so teach your kids and teach parents teach their kids not to uh, or help their kids not to tease other children at school because you've got a hearing aid and you've got glasses and look at you, maybe a hunchback or what other disability they have. And you know kids, they like to tease and they tease others and humble them and I don't think it's only children who do that. Isn't it true that we do the same sometimes? Have you heard people tell jokes about Down syndrome kids? It's very funny for us. But what about the parents of children like that? Or what about the Down syndrome person himself or herself and and I'm rebuking myself because I know in the past I've done that and that is sin Leviticus chapter 19 verse 14 that whole section that teaches you how to love your neighbor as yourself one of it is you shall not put a stumbling block before the blind you shall not curse the deaf because you can think you can play a practical joke on a blind person or on a deaf person and that dishonors God now you're trying to humble them it's not your job God will work with them God will work with you and we trust the Lord. Think what honors God. I got this from a number of people. I got answers from a number of you in the week and from some of the others, pastors and even disabled people. Treat them as human beings. Treat them as human beings made in the image of God. They're not animals, they're humans. So for instance, with someone, with someone who is autistic, go and greet them. Walk up to them. Now, I've tried this doing high fives, and it worked. <laughs> Just hold your hand and talk to the parents. Say, uh, what are the do's and don'ts? For instance, you don't hug the autistic person. They're sensitive. They don't like that. So Just put a high five or a fist bump and tell them your name. They like that. And Niels told me they remember that. Special memories for them. So do that. And then also, just back to that point, don't ignore them. It's like you don't know what to do with them. Just greet them. Even if they don't respond the way you like or you think everyone else should respond, greet them. And then when you come to the disabled person, please don't just greet the caretaker. But there's the, the paralyzed lady lying in a bed and you don't greet her. You just, hello to the caretaker. Greet the lady. Greet the person in the wheelchair. And when you do greet the person in the wheelchair, treat them like a human being. They are bodily disabled. They can understand you. So talk to them. Don't treat them and talk to them like you talk to a four-year-old. Or even to the parents. One parent told me this. They got a kid in a wheelchair. A motor accident. The kid was riding on a bike and the car hit her. Now she's mentally disabled, bodily disabled. And she's in her, I think she must be in her 30s almost. But they take care of this child. And they say, sometimes parents speak to you like you're mentally disabled. Yeah. How's she doing? Hmm. Or maybe talking, uh, I got this from a man this week, I actually visited his house, he's got a stepson, he was blind, and, and then I contacted the blind guy, but don't talk to the blind person through someone else. So here's the blind person, 19 years old, here's the father, or the blind person, 15 years old, 
here's the father, and you talk to the father about it. So how's he doing? He's not deaf, he's blind. <laughs> talk to him. <laughs> mm. You know, the, the disabled person appreciates it when you treat him or her like a human being. Peter told me this. Peter uh, sent me uh, an illustration. He had a colleague who was blind. He said, this guy was brilliant. Uh, Peter, as you know, was a chemical engineer. But he said, this guy was brilliant. This guy was so good, he said, he could touch a horse's mane, the hair, and he could tell you what color the horse is. And he was right. I don't know how. You people who know horses, maybe you know how and why that could happen. But anyway, so when the guy retired, they decided they're going to buy him a special gift. So they, they were thinking, what are we going to buy? And in the end, they bought him a painting. And other guys, other colleagues said, how can you do that? I mean, the guy's blind. Why do you buy him a painting? And when they gave him the painting, he opened it. He would feel and he could tell them exactly what it was. It was an original painting by some well-known artist. And he felt the paint and he could tell them what it is. And then he started crying. And someone said, why are you so emotional about this? He said, because the bare fact that you give me a painting shows me that you treat me like one of you. You don't treat me as I'm different and I'm weird. I'm one of you. Number two, Paul's prayer. That's verse eight. Okay, so in verse eight, you see Paul praying. And, and Paul says, three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. So Paul didn't pray once. Paul is very serious about this issue, and it causes much hurt in his life. He says, please, Lord, will you remove this? Please, Lord, will you remove this? Please take it away. Now, the Greek word, therefore, I pleaded with the Lord, or some translation, I prayed to the Lord. The Greek word there is not the normal word for prayer. The Greek word there is literally saying, I called the Lord to my side. I called him close to say, please come here. It's like he's saying, please put your hand on the hurt, whether it's spiritual, emotional, or physical. Please put your hand on the hurt and heal it. Take it away. I don't know if you like that <clears throat> with a disability or someone you love. Or maybe, yeah, you've got a disabled loved one. And you're praying, Lord, take it away. Lord, take it away. Lord, remove it. Lord, heal them. And maybe even some people, as you know well, they go from church to church asking others to pray for them so they can be healed of the disability. Is it wrong for them to desire to be healed of the disability? It's not wrong. It's not wrong at all. And sometimes God answers prayers like that. I'll give you some examples of that. We've got many in the New Testament, Jesus healing blind people, deaf people, uh, and other uh, paralyzed people and so on. Um, in Matthew 20, you've got an example where Jesus actually says to them, what do you want me to do for you? I mean, the sky's the limit. They could have asked for anything. They asked the Lord, please, we want to see. And Jesus said, let it be according to your faith. And they could see. I know of an example. A guy actually sent me an email beginning of the year. And I'm going to get to that not too long from now in a sermon. But this guy... He said he had polio as a kid, and his dad would come into the room with a wheelbarrow filled with soil, with ground, dirt, so he could play in the soil because he couldn't go out. And he was in, a bed for, in bed for months with polio. And he said, God miraculously healed him. And I know the guy personally is one, was one of my lecturers. He, can walk, he walks normally, not with a built-up shoe. God healed him. Um, another person... A colleague of mine in Johannesburg, 
One Sunday morning last year, there was a lady who said she became deaf overnight. And I know of another person like that. But this lady became deaf overnight. She said, I can't hear. I'm deaf. And he would hunch next to her in the church. And she said, I come to church because I want to partake of the Lord's Supper, but I can't hear the sermon. And he said, he'll pray for her. And he would shout, yeah, right here. And he prayed in the service. And while he was praying, her hand went up. And she heard. And the deafness was gone. I don't know what it was. I don't know what caused it. But God took it away. So it's possible for the Lord to do it. And sometimes God does that through medical technology. Tony enough on escape. You remember the story she told. She couldn't see. She went for the operation. And then... Still couldn't see, and it became worse and worse and worse. And the doctor said, did you ever come for the follow-up? She said, no. <laughs> she went, and she could see. Or maybe someone getting a prosthesis. So maybe you lose your leg in an accident, and then they, medical technology, they can build you a leg. Or um, uh, cochlear implants. Uh, one of our church members has a brother who became deaf overnight and they did this operation, cochlear implant, and that helps <clears throat> so that you can hear again. So that's also God's gift to us and God's grace and so on. But unfortunately, many people don't have money. They don't have the money for those kind of, kind, kind of things or medical aid or whatever, who's going to pay for that? Or the doctor tells them, we can't do anything for you. And the Lord decides, I'm not going to heal that, but will God hear their prayer when they say, remove this, remove this, remove this? Eventually, yes. Because when Jesus returns, the lame will leap, and the blind will see, and the deaf will hear, and the mute will speak, and you'll receive a new body that's perfect. No more wheelchair. <laughs> no more blindness. No more hearing aids. No more deafness, cochlear implants. But until then, you say with Job, whether you are disabled or abled. You say with Job, the Lord has given, the Lord has taken away, blessed be the name of the Lord. And you say with Habakkuk, though the fig tree should not blossom and there be no grapes on the vine, no sheep in the pen, no calves in the stalls, and though I'm deaf and though I'm blind and though I'm in a wheelchair and though I'm mentally disabled, I will rejoice in the Lord my God. Number three. Christ's answer. That's verse 9a. So Jesus, in one sense, said, no. Paul said, take the thorn away. And Jesus said, no, I've got something better. Actually, he did answer the prayer in, in one sense, because Paul said, come near. And he did come near. He did come near, but for something better. Has the Lord done that? In your life, where you pray and it's like you think the Lord is not answering the prayer. And God says, no, maybe praying about the disability. Why didn't he take my disability away? I asked him about it. I prayed about it. Why? What's the reason? Why didn't he do it? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know why. What I do know is verse 9a. My grace is enough for you. My grace is sufficient. What I do know is chapter 1, verse 8 and 9, when you've got all these afflictions and trials and sufferings, why, why, why? Answer, 
so that you will not rely on yourself, but on God. That you will know that He will not overload you, that He will not place something on you. Yes, in your own ability, you don't have the strength to bear that. But with His ability, you can bear it. With His grace, with His power, you can bear that trial and suffering, and you can bear it gladly and with patience. So thank Him for the positive in all of this. I know a man, Deirdre knows him, and maybe there's one or two left. I think Rulf. Rulf, do you remember Paul Grobelor? The man who used to come here and he couldn't talk. And he died later on. But that Paul, he couldn't talk, but he could walk. Okay. See, the positive, that's a blessing. I know a man who's blind. He sent me a message this week. I asked him for some help for the sermon. He sent me a message. <coughs> He's blind, but he can hear. I know another lady who is blind, uh, totally blind. I went to see her in a hospital about six weeks ago. She can talk, although she's blind. So you get the point. Got all these things. A man that I met who's got cerebral palsy, very bad, but he's very sharp mentally. So they're positive things that God gives. Maybe here's one for the Fantonet kids, especially for Misha and for Marguerite. Maybe for Yusha too. I don't think Alika is the, the champion tree climber anymore. Who's the champion in your... Okay, they don't know. Maybe all of them. But this girl, she will outclimb out any of you. And she's, she's got brain damage. She's brain damaged. She's mentally retarded. But she can climb a tree. <laughs> That's something positive, is it not? Is it not? Anything and everything we deserve is... What do we deserve? Hell. We deserve God's judgment. We are all sinners. Anything more than hell is grace. Anything outside of hell is grace. So thank the Lord for His goodness to you, for the positive things. Thank the Lord in your circumstances, whether you've got mentally disabled children or physically disabled family members, thank the Lord He's with that person every step of the way. And like Mephibosheth, do you remember that guy, Mephibosheth? He was the son of Jonathan, David's friend. And when Jonathan died, Mephibosheth, he was paralyzed in both his feet. But he would sit at the king's table. And have every meal with the king. And that's going to happen with a disabled person who trusts in the Lord Jesus Christ. You're going to have every meal with the king. The only difference being you won't be disabled anymore. You're going to have a perfect body and sit with the king and rejoice in his presence and praise him. Now, I want you to help. I want to help you get your theology right on this. I remember preaching this in a sermon once and it helped someone. When that disabled person dies and he's a believer in Jesus Christ, don't say, oh, I'm so glad. I'm so glad he's with the Lord now. No more wheelchair. Now he's got new legs running around. He doesn't. His body is in the grave. Only his spirit is made perfect. Hebrews 12, 23. He hasn't got a new body yet. When Jesus comes, then that body will be raised and perfected. Body and soul unite. Perfect body on a new earth forever with the Lord Jesus Christ. But you don't have to wait till you get to heaven or till Jesus comes before you thank Him. <laughs> we can thank the Lord Jesus Christ now. We can thank Him that that disability that causes us to turn to Christ, the possibility at least, I've got the disability, I look to Christ for my strength. And His strength comes to me. I realize my need. I realize I need the strength and the grace of Christ. Verse 9a. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. 
you realize I need him for everything. Now, actually, all of us need him for everything, but I think the disabled person, the, the possibility is there for him or her to realize and understand that and see that easier. Uh, it's like a guy I know. This guy was addicted to alcohol, a drunkard, lived in the streets. And then he got, in, got into a car accident and he became paralyzed from the waist down. And he told me, so thankful for that accident. Otherwise, I would still be on the street drinking my alcohol, getting drunk, addicted to alcohol. God saved me. And not only saved me from alcohol, but saved my soul. <laughs> so Christ's power became perfect in his weakness. <clears throat> you see, if Jesus, if Jesus works through a strong person, someone who's talented and able and gifted, who do we praise? Well, we praise Jesus and we say, man, you're quite something. Not only to Jesus, but to the person. But if Christ shows his power and his strength and he uses a weak person mightily, who do we praise? Only Jesus. My power is made perfect in weakness. Then there's no sharing of the glory. Then we say Christ and Christ alone. And that is why God very often and mostly when he wants to do something great, he uses weak instruments so that he gets the glory. That's why God used Joseph. Joseph is the youngest of the brothers, except for Benjamin, but Joseph is the young boy. He's the homeboy. He likes to be, he likes to be in the house. And God uses him. Second in charge in Egypt, saves his family, saves nations. Or God uses the shepherd boy. Oh, where's your, are these all your sons, says Samuel to Jesse. Yeah, yeah, there's one more, but he's just taking care of the sheep. No, no, call him. And he becomes the king. He slays the giant. He becomes King David. God uses the little nation, Israel, to accomplish great things. And so through the New Testament, you know, this bunch of losers. Whoa, what Jesus' followers? A fisherman, a tax collector, another fisherman, another fisherman, another, another fisherman. <laughs> All these fishermen. And they're nobodies. And they're uneducated. And Jesus uses them. Because that's what he likes to do, use weak people to show his power in weakness. So he gets the glory and he still does that. Who did God choose? Who did he choose according to 1 Corinthians? The famous, the rich? No, he chooses the weak to shame the strong. He chooses the foolish to shame the wise. And he, and he chooses and he uses disabled people like Fanny Crosby. You know the song we sing. To God be the glory, great things here. That's Fanny Crosby. She's blind. She wrote 10,000 hymns. It's more than Charles Wesley and Isaac Watts put together, I think. Yeah, the blind woman. He uses a pastor that I know. This pastor was a pastor of the largest Baptist church in South Africa. About 4,700 people on a Sunday. And he's blind. Blind. Completely blind. He says of any pastor he knows, he makes the best eye contact when he preaches. <laughs> yeah. And that guy loves Christ and he preaches the gospel. He's retired now, but God used him. Johnny Erickson Tata, some of you know her story. She's in a wheelchair. She's been in a wheelchair, must be more than 50 years now. The last I heard was around 2013 or 14. At that stage, she'd have been in a wheelchair for 46 years, a paraplegic. But God uses her to encourage others and to spread his good news. Would that have happened if she weren't in the wheelchair? Or as effectively? 
Finally, number four, Paul's reaction, verse 9b and verse 10. Now, Paul knows he's weak. And because he's weak, he doesn't praise his own strength because he hasn't any. He praises Christ's strength and Christ's abilities through him. Verse 9b, Therefore I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Same in chapter 11, verse 30. I'll boast in my weaknesses. 10 verse 17, I'll boast in the Lord. Romans 15. Is it in verse 18 and 19, where Paul says, I won't boast about anything I did. I won't brag about myself. I'll brag about what Jesus has done. And his gospel and his power and his saving of lost people, saving of sinners. And then the power of Christ, verse 9b, rests upon me. Now that word in the Greek is really, uh, it's like the power of Christ becomes a tent over me. It's like, it's like the glory of God in the tabernacle. And now it's the power of Christ in this poor broken vessel, this clay pot, the Apostle Paul. And God uses Paul powerfully. And that changes his whole outlook about this thorn in the flesh. His whole mentality is now flipped. Oh, this thorn in the flesh, I wanted it away. But look at what Christ is doing now because I've got this weakness. Now it's not my own power. If I didn't have the thorn, I would just continue in my own power. Now God gives me this disability to show His power and to show what He can accomplish. And so Paul's glad. He says, I'll boast. I'm glad about this. Verse 10 at the end, he says, when I'm weak, then I'm strong. Or verse 10, um, for the sake of Christ, then I'm content. I'm happy with these weaknesses, all these sufferings, persecutions, all that. I'm happy about that. I'm fine with that. So be glad about your disability. Not because of the disability, but because when you have the disability and you turn to Christ, then it's His power. And it's His strength. And it's His grace that comes upon you. Someone said, I put the word, I like to put the word go before disabled. Then it becomes God is abled. <laughs> God shows his strength. The power of Christ is more than any strength you would have in yourself. Christ is the one who can raise the dead. Christ is the one who will raise all the dead on the last day. Christ is the one who has all authority in heaven and on earth. Christ is the one who can calm the storm. Christ is the one who said, break this temple, I'll raise it up in three days. Break it down. I have the ability even to raise myself from the dead. No one takes my life from me. I lay it down. I have the authority to take it up. Christ has the, has the strength and the authority to subject all things to himself. Philippians 3 verse 21. Christ is the creator of all things. Christ is the upholder of the sun, the moon, the stars of galaxies. Hebrews 1 verse 3, by the word of his power, all strength, all authority belongs to Jesus Christ. Revelation 5 verse 12. So, see the superability of Jesus Christ rather than the inability of the disabled person or the inability of yourself in taking care of a disabled person 24-7. Look to Christ and the strength of Jesus Christ as Paul did. I will boast of my weakness that the power of Christ may rest on me. So think what Isaiah 40 at the end where he says God's power never ends. Our power ends but his power is infinite. We can draw on the strength of Christ and mount up with wings like eagles Jeffrey Wilson says, 
Though we can accomplish nothing in our own strength, mountains are moved by weak men who trust Christ. <laughs> who trust in Christ's power. Can I ask you this? Do you want Christ to withdraw His grace and strength from you? If you want that, then boast in your own ability, in your own gifts and talents, and Christ will withdraw His strength. But boast in your weakness like Paul, and Christ's strength will rest on you. Paul, I mean, I want to be like Paul. In verse 10, Paul says, for the sake of Christ then. It's like he's saying, as long as Jesus is glorified, I don't care about this thorn in the flesh anymore. As long as Jesus is glorified, then, then I'm happy with my inability. I'm happy with my disability. I'm happy with my weakness, he says in verse 10 at the end, when I'm weak, then I'm strong. So make that your goal. That's your goal. Your goal is to honor God. Your goal is to please Christ. Your goal is to glorify God. Your main goal is not to be healed of a disability. Find your identity in Christ. My identity is not in my being able to see, and my eyes are getting weaker. But I don't introduce, hi, I'm Ivor, and I'm able to see. Hi, I'm Ivor, and I can hear. Some children can't say that. My naughty children don't obey their parents. <laughs> hi, I'm Ivor, I'm able to walk. That's not my identity. Your identity does not lie in your ability to see or not see. Hear or not hear, walk or not walk, mentally healthy or mentally disabled. My identity is in Jesus Christ. I'm a believer in Jesus Christ. I've been saved by the blood of Christ, cleansed by the blood of Christ, adopted into God's family. Now the question comes, I'm almost done guys, the question comes then, but what about the, the mentally disabled person who can't understand the gospel and they can't believe? Now where's their identity? Is it in Christ? Don't underestimate the power of God's Spirit. Don't underestimate the power of God's Word. Don't underestimate the power of the Gospel. I have a friend who just sent me a message in the week. He's got a mentally disabled brother. His brother, he is now 45 years old, and his brother, I think, is six years older than him. But his brother's got the mind of a five-year-old. But his brother loves the Gospel. And he loves coming to church. And he loves being with the believers and hearing the word of God. And he can't read. He really he reads like someone who just starts, who's just starting to read. But he loves being with the people of God. Didn't, didn't uh, Psalm 19 tell us that God's word, um, who said it? Uh, it gives wisdom to the simple. So even the simple, the simplest person, or, or in, in Luke 10 verse 21, where Jesus said that God has hidden these from wise and learned men, and he's revealed the gospel to little children. Even the simplest person, God can reveal it. That very guy I spoke about, Paul Hrobelor, that guy, he would talk like, if you, if you know him long enough, you can figure out what he's saying. He would talk like, like that, and then you say, no, 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 Mali, Mali, Mali. So, okay, money, okay, money, Mali is money. And then he would, then he would tell me that he hasn't got family. I asked him no more. What happened was when his mother was pregnant with him, his father would beat up his mother and he'd kick the mother. And she was pregnant with him, so he got brain damaged. Uh, nevertheless, so this guy, I then showed him Mark chapter 10, verse 29 and 30, that even if you don't have family, Paul, 
If you believe in Jesus Christ, if Christ is your Savior, you'll have a hundred hundred times as many brothers and sisters. Because now all God's people become your brothers and sisters. He was very happy. He would go to me and go, and then I'd show him in the Bible. I'd read the verse again. And then later on, next weekend again, I'd read it again. Say, yes, your brothers and sisters, your brothers and sisters. So God gave him at least that ability to understand. There, there was a lady in our church. Who of you, maybe I shouldn't mention the name for online, but remember the lady in our church, her husband and wife would come. I think the lady must have been close to 60 years old, but she had the mind of a 13-year-old. And even when she would talk to you, she would do this and talk like a little girl. She's thir- uh, 13 in her mind, but... And that lady, she loved being here. She loved coming to church. Now, what if, what if the disabled person doesn't understand the gospel? What then? Well, then Deuteronomy chapter 1, verse 39, where God said to the Israelites, you will not go into the promised land, but these your children who do not dis- distinguish between right and wrong, they will go into the land. And c- can't we say the same about heaven? David, when his baby died, David said, I will go to him who will not return to me. Oh, where's the baby? And can't we say the same of people who are mentally disabled? Can I make this statement? Is this true? Salvation is not based on your bodily ability. Is it then based on your mental ability? No. Salvation is based on what Jesus did on a cross 2,000 years ago, where Jesus died for sinners. So, in other words, it is Christ that saves, not my great understanding of Christ. It is Christ that saves. Now, I'm not saying that faith is unnecessary and we don't need to have faith in Jesus. But when it comes to someone who is mentally disabled so bad, they do not have the ability to understand the gospel. They do not have the ability to, to, to believe. Can, can Jesus save such people? Well, what about Luke chapter 1, verse 50? There's John the Baptist. He's not even born. And he's filled with the Holy Spirit from his mother's womb. I think God is able to save even these mentally disabled people who cannot understand anything. And that's good news. That's good news if you've been mentally disabled from a young age. But that's bad news if you weren't mentally disabled and you heard the gospel and you understood the gospel and you heard it again and you understood it again and you heard it again and you rejected it and kept on rejecting it and then getting a motor accident and you become mentally disabled. That's God's judgment. You heard the gospel, you didn't want it. And there comes a times, Proverbs 29 verse 1, he who is often reproved yet stiffens his neck will suddenly be broken beyond healing. So, what should you do? Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked man forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Isn't a pardon abundant? Isn't forgiveness abundant with God? Yes, it is. And God can even save the disabled person. That seeks him. Like that story, I'll close with this. Like that story that um, John MacArthur tells. <laughs> he says, after the Sunday morning sermon, I think it was a Sunday morning, this Down syndrome guy, his name is Ronnie. He loves coming to church. And so Ronnie comes to him after the service. And he said, Pastor John, you say, <clears throat> you say if we love Jesus, we must be 
we, we must be baptized. I love Jesus, I want to be baptized. And John says, John MacArthur says, he just wants to check this guy. Does the guy understand who Jesus is? So he says, okay, Ronnie, I want to ask you a question. Who is Jesus Christ? And he says, Ronnie wrinkled up his nose and he said, what? You mean to tell me you don't even know that? <laughs> okay, okay. So the, the disability, it is a thorn in the flesh. But can Jesus Christ create roses among the thorns by His grace and power? Heavenly Father, I do pray that you would encourage any present who have <clears throat> disabled people in their families or disabled people listening to the sermon or some who will read it later on online. And I pray that you would hear this prayer and you would bless them, Lord, um, through the good news of Jesus and the gospel and the hope and the grace of Christ and the power of Christ for the sake of your name. Amen.